accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night, 17th episode of the sixth season. April 1st, 1998 is when it aired. Written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler, who take uh, time off from writing Ferengi episodes, I think, to write this one, and directed by Jonathan West. In this episode, Kira uses the Orb of Time to travel back into the past after Dukat claims that her mother was once his lover during the occupation. We're joined by Clay, a lover from another mother. How are you? Orb of time, huh? Orb of time. Well, all right, whatever. <laughs> the orb of time um, has been mentioned before. Do, do you not remember it? It sounded vaguely familiar. Where, where do they where do they use it or reference it previously? Uh, I think it's been in a couple episodes. There, are, so there are nine orbs in total of the Bajorans that they have, and mm. they've had episodes where they they've dealt with do other ones. Have, uh, do they have? Do they keep them, say, on something like a gauntlet? Is that a reference I'm not getting? Well, it sounds like they're just basically Infinity Stones. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, of course. I, and I just watched that, too. Uh, no, I think some of them are lost. Some of them they keep in boxes on tables, <laughs> as you can see from this episode. And mm-hmm. other ones, I think the Cardassians stole them. But there's nine of them total. And this is the one that they keep coming back to, probably because it has the most magical powers, I think. But I think we're going to... Have a lot to say about that. I know that a lot of people have uh, have comments about the orb of time and everything like that. It sounds like you do as well. So we'll take a break. We'll play an audio clip. Me and Clay will come back, and we're going to break down wrongs darker than death or night. He's very different from what I expected. Don't let that smile fool you. He's still the enemy. It's not that simple. Yes, it is. Maroon. Listen to me. While you're in here playing parlor games, he's busy carrying out the extermination of our people. That's not true. He's written to Central Command, urging them to rethink their policy towards Bajor. I don't care if he played you a hollow recording of him on his hands and knees begging Central Command to end the occupation. It would still be a lie. Like that first night when he saved you from that cult, that wasn't real. He set the whole thing up to win you over. He told me. He tells me everything. You just don't know him. I don't need to know him. I know the things he's done. Look what he did to you. He took you away from your family, from your children. He's promised to help them. He's going to send them food and medical supplies. That still doesn't make it right. What about your husband? Taban loves you. How can you forget him so quickly? Do we want to um do we want to get rid of the do we want to get the discussion about the time travel out of the way first Clay? I think that's a good way to cleanse the palate yes. for this episode because Yes. um the criticisms I see for this episode are 100% on the, the mechanism of the time travel that's going on and I don't care about it like to be, mm-hmm. to be totally dismissive. I I accept that there are weird time travel shenanigans going on here and wouldn't it have been better if she didn't just go back in time, but it was some kind of vision that the prophets had given her? Right. I, this is how I interpret what's going on. Kira goes back in time, but 
even though they don't say this, this is my head canon. She does not look like Kira when she goes back. She inhabits the body of someone else or something like that. There's some nonsense like that. They, again, they don't say this in the episode, but this is what I'm saying. And Kira, before she goes back in time, has a line about the prophets will prevent her from doing anything that will have bad impacts on the timeline. So that, to me, is the out of every kind of criticism that you can have on a mechanical level of what goes on. Mm-hmm. The prophet's involvement protects the timeline, and Kira is not really Kira when she goes back. Therefore, Goldicott does not uh, recognize her in the future or the present. So that that's I, my fix, basically. Yeah, I think you're thinking about it too much. If you <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if you need a fix for it, that's fine. This is the one. Inst- this is an instance where. When when she's like, yeah, I'll just use the time orb and go back and visit my mother. I was like, oh fuck. This this episode opens Ugh. terribly. It sounds really cheesy. When then like yeah. the cold open in the first five minutes, you're like, this is going to be awful. And then spoiler, I think this turns into a really magical episode. Sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really really good. But I just wanted to get the time travel stuff out of the way. If you have anything you want to say about it. Yeah, I, I think I think unfortunately the fact. <laughs> You know, this, it's weird. Cause like, as, as much as I, uh, uh, took, oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of these episodes. The, uh, uh, Benny the writer episode. Far as much as the I stars. said, yeah. yeah, as much as I was like, oh, I wish this, that one had a, a mechanic to it. I wish this one didn't have a mechanic to it. Or at the very <laughs> least, uh, they did more hand waving. Yeah. A little bit more hand waving. Yeah. Cause it was the setup made me roll my eyes so hard. And I'm glad that I didn't check out right after that because I thought once once you if you can get past that the the clunky time travel mechanic, uh, I think this is a great episode. I think it's really intense, um, and the ethical and moral questions that it's bringing up are really interesting. And uh, it's putting putting Kira in a really stressful situation that she hasn't resolved at the end you know she's she's definitely changed by the end of it but not necessarily uh she's not re- resolved anything um i thought i i thought it was about as good of a time travel story as you can do yeah um because you know i i i saw a criticism of uh endgame uh shortly after it came out um about how it was dumb that they went back in time and weren't explicitly trying to change the timeline because that's what time travel stories are generally about is people trying to or trying not to change the timeline. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they kind of uh, created rules to to prevent themselves from having that problem um, kind of made, made time travel feel like it didn't have a point. And I would kind of argue that this does the same thing where she's not going back to change anything. And if you want to use that, you know, uh, profits fix, she can't change anything. Um, and, and it's not a, and the story isn't about her going back to change anything. It's about learning new information about her mother. And when it turns to out to not be what she thought it was, how that affects her moving forward. And I thought, I mean, I, I thought it was a much more interesting use of time travel than going back and trying to change the past or trying to change the future or something like that. I thought it was a lot more thoughtful and I just, I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot. It, it would have been a horrible if it was a kill baby Hitler, except baby Ducat in this episode. Yeah. Part thing. of me was kind of at, at first I was like, well, you're here. You may as well <laughs> take a like, swing. It doesn't even cross her mind. 
You know, there's not even a moment where she's like, well, I mean, I guess technically she does attempt to kill him eventually. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like she doesn't show up and go like, well, I, I could just break his neck now and save everybody a lot of trouble in the future. Like that's not even on the board. Yeah. Um, I really, I really, I really rely heavily on the profit influence here. I, I think yeah. the profits are preventing that. It's not said in the episode. I'm going to grant that to everybody, but that's, that's, and as you say, like, all oh, this is, me sort of spinning my wheels to defend something that I don't think is a problem in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah. there's a technical aspect to this that's kind of clunky. And why doesn't Dukat recognize Kira if she looks exactly the same as she does when he goes, in, you know, a couple years into the future and meets her and everything well, like that? It's a long time. It's like at least 25 years in the future. That, that's true. She is, she is baby Kira. Yes, that, yeah, that, that's I think, true. I think you can make a, you know, it's it's the it's the Back to the Future argument. Why don't his parents recognize Marty as the Marty from 1955? Sure, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's exactly the same thing. And I, I don't have a problem with it, but I think I think some people do. But I think that I think that everything, literally everything else about this works on like a really fascinating and powerful level. Um, I think that the first thing to consider here is that. I'm so conflicted about whether or not this is a good placement for this episode. So imagine if this episode had come in like a third season and it kind of, Mm -hmm. because it fleshes out the occupation, I think better than any episode prior to it. I feel like it's kind of a a disservice to have it this late in the series run where something like this really gives you insight into what the Cardassians are about very early in the series. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. This episode also has to happen post-Waltz, I think, because post-Waltz gives you insight into Dukat that he is hiding in this episode because he himself has not realized what his character is at this point. So it's really this interesting twist where it benefits so greatly from knowing that Dukat is basically a liar and not having the best interests in heart. That adds some... uh, depth to his characterization here. However, it's still kind of sad that you don't get this great insight into the Bajoran occupation that you could have dealt with and had like a, a good advantage to have earlier on in the series run. Yeah. Before, uh, before it turned into back to the future, um, <clears throat> I thought it was actually going to be a great reintroduction for Ducat. And I'm not convinced that it's not, but I I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying, uh, where, where he show, you know, he just calls her directly, which I guess you could do. <laughs> Without anybody knowing. He's sitting uh, in a very official capacity. He's wearing like a Cardassian uniform in an office, too. It's a very strange, like, I'd, I'd expect him to be on a shuttlecraft looking like ragged and in tattered clothes and stuff, but he looks okay at this point. Yeah, it's it's like it's like if Janet Reno just casually got a phone call from Saddam Hussein at home. <laughs> Janet, how are you? Um... Yeah, but uh uh I thought it was like, oh okay, man, he's just he's just going for the heart here, you know? He came he comes right out and he's like, "Oh, by the way, your mother and I used to make out." That's <laughs> you know, it's something like he's never done and if you if you're recontextualizing Dukat as this like newly evil, I'm just going to fuck with everybody thing. Yeah. That's a really good place to start. Um He's creepier. He says we were lovers. We were lovers, yes. which is a very creepy, disturbing term to use when you're talking to uh an elder, apparently, as it seems to yes. be the case. Yeah. Um but but uh but yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really recontextualize him and it doesn't really uh move any of that stuff forward. It's just a really good Kira story. And yeah, I think I agree with you that I if this had been in like season three or season four or something like that, where we weren't in the middle of the dominion stuff, I think it would have 
the impact would have been a lot better. Um, I do think it's interesting that we are so deep into this season and they've done what four in a row that are more or less standalone episodes that have essentially nothing to do with the dominion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fine. You know, it's just interesting that they're doing them all in a row. Uh, which is mostly just feeding off of the fact that they opened with a with six episode arc. True. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so, it, it's 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 reverted back to normal Star Trek. It's really just that opening arc storyline that kind of throws everything off. Yeah. Um. What you expect? But yeah, you know, uh, placement placement in the series aside, uh, I thought it was great. I uh, yeah, it was it was a lot more than I was expecting. Um from a story like this definitely. I think I think the big reason why this one works is that this is uh as much as DS9 is seen as the sort of morally gray and stuff like that. I th- I think a lot of that is kind of overstated. It's more that the show explores the other aspects of the not perfect answer. This episode I think is really special because I think maybe across all the Star Trek we've watched to this point this is the most morally confusing episode to me where I'm not even sure Kira's right at the end. Like I don't, I don't know if our heroes have the right take on things. And I think that in an episode that maybe people could say that her mother's character is too wishy-washy here. I think the wishy-washiness is the point of this. Like, I don't think Kira Maru knows what she wants or she's, she's certainly not going to tell this stranger what her deepest desires are about what's going on. And I think that the way that they play it, where there's, she's a starving Bajoran who is given the opportunity to have food and be taken care of, but she has her family left behind. And then she's also doing this for the family because the family's being taken care of now. And it's like the, like the, the wretchedness of the Cardassians to put people through this and everything. I think it's just all of the angles that you can look at this through work on every level. And you never get a good sense of what Kira Maru is up to but you can only judge what she decides to do. And Kira, interestingly, at the end, decides to think that she made the wrong choice still, even though Kira was saved by what she did, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really, uh, uh, I, the scene where, where she gets the message from her husband, I thought was, was great. Um, because I think that really summed up kind of everything where, you know, you don't totally even know why she breaks down crying. You can probably imprint on that whatever version that you want. Either she's crying because she misses him and she has to do this other stuff that she doesn't like, or she's crying because she realizes that she's, you know, what she's uh, done. Yeah, that what she's abandoned them, yeah. even though she's, you know what I mean? Like she's that Kira was that, uh, just Kira for the sake of saying Kira. Kira was right in saying that, you know, she's fallen in love with Ducat, who's a monster, and blah, 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 blah. Um, and the final scene with Cisco, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised that Kira came down so hard on the side of her mom being a, uh, a bad actor mm-hmm. in this situation because I thought – I thought that what she had taken from it was that it things weren't so black and white, which she kind of does, but she also kind of ends. I mean, that's kind of what's nice about it is that she does take that away, but she's also doesn't lose her her edge against her, the Cardassians. Her free, yeah, her freedom fighter history is still front and center for her. Yeah. Like, there, there is yeah. no 
it ties off of the scenes of like Ducat is the enemy. She has that conversation with her mother where you're, you're not sure if her mother is like trying to just justify everything that's going on by saying like, no, he talked to central command. He's trying to end the occupation. And Kira knows because this is post waltz, what Ducat is about. And she's seen that little act he does where he says the same line when he tries to rescue, yeah, you know, yeah. pseudo rescue a woman. Um, yeah. I, I think that the, the Kira ending is, I think it's just terrific because Cisco is even sort of arguing against her and she doesn't come around to his point of view. And I think it's just a, it's a testament to how much of a gut twisting knife in the gut twisting thing this is. Like, I don't know what the right decision was there because she did help her family, Kira Maru, the mother, she helps her family, but it does come across like a collaborator type attitude. And Mm. to just go into like, the reason I think that this fleshes out the occupation so well is that in all the other previous occupation stories, it's kind of been like, you know, you're in a prison camp or, you know, it's the Cardassians versus the Bajorans and stuff like that. You don't get yeah. you don't get a stratification of society the way like I think that the a very important thing they do here is that that Ducat's Bajoran, the the male Bajoran underling who's sort of bossing them around is a true collaborator in the sense that right. he seems to only be doing this for himself. And he's I, also uh, Bob from UHF, Weird Al's friend in UHF. <laughs> there you go. He's, he's, I think he's just the perfect, he's the perfect small character role where that could easily have just been another Cardassian and it would have meant nothing to anything. But because he's a Bajoran, it just highlights that collaborator aspect a little bit more where you see he's a pure collaborator. Everyone else is some kind of shades of gray that fit in underneath him and things like that. And I think that it's, it, it was just really well constructed and i i think that it's it's a surprisingly strong episode that's like heartbreaking sad instructive and also very much what the heart of the series is trying to get across this whole sort of um what happens in the middle between the extremes and i think it's just kind of a fascinating outlook on it yeah um I, I I liked seeing that collaborator character too because I feel like that's something that we definitely haven't seen coming from the uh, uh, um from the occupation and all and all that stuff um, and seeing him so much on the side of the Cardassians was was really interesting too because yeah because you know like you were saying you the the depiction of the the occupation and and the history of it has just been prison camps and prison guards and, you know, the people who run the prison camps and whatever. And getting this more nuanced uh, outward expansion of that idea, I, I, I'm, sh- I'm shocked it took him so long to do it, frankly, because yeah. it, it, it's, it's such a good idea. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, – <clears throat> excuse me. There's a movie from a handful of years ago. It's probably at least 10 years ago at this, you know, definitely more than 10 years ago called Black Book that was done by uh, Paul Verhoeven, who mm-hmm. did Robocop and, and Total Recall, among others. And it's about, it's a, it's a Danish movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. It's a Danish movie about the um, Danish resistance during World War II and specifically about a woman who had to infiltrate the Nazis by essentially doing what Kira's mother was doing, except she was working for the resistance essentially. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting because that immediately presents this moral ambiguity in terms of like what you have to do when you're going undercover like this. And you have to make sure you're not enjoying it 
Uh, I mean, it's probably a little bit easy to not enjoy it with the Nazis, but who knows? Yeah. It, you know, you, you get into these, Cardassians are you the get same. into Cardassians these situations. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. that? Well, I'm just, the Cardassians are the same. The Cardassians are basically Nazis in this storyline. So I'm just matching it up to the episode here in terms of what you're saying. But it, yeah, it's like, it's, um, it's easy not to, I, I guess your outlook on them is less important than the options that it's giving you. Like it's mm-hmm. more about like the choice of what outcome you want to come out of this, as opposed to who you're doing it to uh, and things like that. And I think maybe the reason the episode didn't air earlier than it did is it's, it's basically forced sex trade for like 35 yeah. minutes yes. on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, um, it's not even trade. It's just forced sex basically. And mm-hmm. It, it, it's a nice, as you were saying, like it's just companionship. <laughs> company, what do they comfort women? They call them comfort. Yeah, women. they just want to play cards or something. Yes, it's a, a lot of uh, tango and things. I assume are being played in nice dresses. Um, yeah, I think that just a, the the prison camp thing is just it was prison camps and uh, prison guards was what we saw. But here you're seeing these sort of higher uh, strata of Cardassian officers, I would assume, is what I'm seeing. This is like the higher-ups, basically, who are having their own little uh, party. Um, And, you know, I I really like when they put stress on Kira's um, uh, revolutionary or rebellion background. Yeah. because, uh, you know, that's kind of her whole thing, right, is that she has a very black and white way of looking at things and you you have these stories in order to kind of put stress on that. And I, I, I do really like it because as much as she has changed over six seasons, there are some things that remain intact and her hatred for the Cardassians is one of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, and so to to have a story like this where you're not trying to equivocate what the Cardassians are doing with anything that's not terrible. Like they're, they're still what they are and what they're doing is still awful. It's not, it's not like a, uh, well, you know, the Cardassians weren't really that bad. It's not that kind of story. It's not that at all. I think this is actually the worst portrayal, like worst, worst in terms of their true nature. This is the uh, most true to form of what the Cardassians are that the show has sometimes just hinted at in a way like because everyone's kind of cordial to Ducat prior to Waltz, you know, like everyone's like, "Hey, Ducat, former leader of a concentration camp, basically, like, how are you?" and things like that. You never, you never get the visceral sense that this episode provides, which is that they were a, you know, it's it's obvious, but they they were just a brutal occupying force, yeah. and it's just there is no good to to what they did on Bajor. You know, um, you said that one of the reasons that they um, they they did what they did in uh, Waltz was to was because people were starting to like Ducat too much mm-hmm. and kind of forget that he was a a, a vicious, you know, uh, oppressive dictator. Or yeah, the writers were ups- the writers were upset that the fans were liking Ducat too much. Yeah, I think that an episode like this is a lot more effective in dispelling that stuff than, um, than, I mean, as much as I liked Waltz, you know, they do kind of, they do kind of go a bit over the top. Whereas this one, it's like, no, this is the same Ducat that you know, that is the charming Ducat that you like. We're just reminding you that this guy's a piece of shit and you should not like him. Right. Um, but even so, it's like that, I would say that's not even the focal point because Ducat, Ducat himself is not really doing 
that much wrong. And I, I wrong probably isn't the right word. His, to his wrong isn't driving the story in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because like at the end, you know, you could argue that he does actually kind of care about Kira's mother. You could. It's another very confusing thing that I don't think yeah. the episode actually answers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, you know, in a different, in a different episode, you might need to lean into that a little bit more, but that's not really what the episode's about. Um, and nor necessarily should it be. I think you can, you can have, you can have stories set in these situations that are, are not about everything at the same time. Yeah. What's, um, I don't think I have too much else to say. Well, I guess I'll just finish up about Ducat. I, I think that this works post, uh, post Waltz just because it provides, like, knowing what you learn about Ducat in Waltz provides all of the information you need to view him here, which is, as you're saying, it's still a very subtle performance in that he's written and especially performed very charmingly. Like, he is, mm-hmm. he's very effective at portraying a, sadistic psychopath in a way that you think he's actually being pleasant to people. And right, if right. you don't know that, if this happens pre-Waltz, I think there's still, there's that section of the audience that the writers were concerned about will still see him as being, he must really love Kira Maru. Like, he's clearly in love with her. Why is Kira trying to interfere in this relationship that's going on? Like, why doesn't she just let them alone? But because of Waltz, you know all the motivations that go on here and they do hit it on the head where they have the scene where he uh his underling knows the line that he's going to use on the bajoran mm-hmm. woman mm-hmm. so th- they show that it's all kind of an act but i think that just knowing because of what waltz's revelations were you see like it almost just highlights the performance from alemo i think like he's just very yeah. good yeah. at playing this character who is completely unlikable but comes across as the opposite i was kind of expecting them to um <clears throat> bring it back around to how awful Ducat is at the end when she says she looked up what happened to her mother. I thought she was going to say something to the effect of Ducat had her killed or yeah. something like that. What does it say? She just <laughs> like, died uh, seven years later, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, yeah, she, she, oh, she, uh, her, her, she was not useful anymore. So he had her taken away or some, yeah. something like that or thrown back into the, to the slave camps or something. Yep. <clears throat> the, uh, but then I think, I think that also would have taken away from, from, the point of it, which is not how awful Ducat is, but how conflicting it is having her mother be a collaborator, yes, but a completely bad collaborator, no, but also not a completely like she's yep. not she's not clean and she's not completely dirty. Let's let's talk about Kira Maru because I think it's probably a huge disservice to not talk about her because she is the point of this episode, I think. What what's your great actress too. I thought she was really good. She's really good. What's your and it looks like Kira too. And uh, like mm. sort of a, I I bought them as mother and daughter. Um I agree that the ending scene uh, where she gets a message from her husband is devastating. I wish that guy was a better actor in that in that, yeah, that, that video. Yeah, that guy was pretty rough. <laughs> he's, he's pretty rough. She sells it pretty well. What's your take on Kira Moreau? What, what does your gut say about what she's doing here? Um, you know, I, don't, I, I feel like I feel like my gut is that she used her position to save her family, but then kind of just got used to being in the position she's in. 
I think she kind of likes the position. I think Kira's right that she likes the position that she's in. Yeah, However, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, but I feel like it wasn't. It's not like she always liked the visit. Part of me, right, I feel yeah. like she, she kind of leaned into it in order to save her family. But then after that, after that was over, she kind of just got used to it, and you know, Stockholm syndrome and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, they do tricky sort of narrative timing where you know she's upset about everything, hasn't really mentioned her family, but then sees the food and is very happy to have food. For her, right, right. So it's 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 a very as a viewer, you're conflicted because you think that's the first thing that she's been seeing, and like, oh, she's clearly wanted out of it. But I, I, I think it's just an honest portrayal. These people are supposed to be starving. Of course, they're all Hollywood right. actors, so they don't look like they're yeah. starving. But they yeah. they should be that way. I did notice that. I mean, they do mention it. They do bring attention to it. Why one of the guys says it, but I was like, they just got a bunch of bony women for this episode. <laughs> And like, but not bony in like a malnourished, emaciated way. It's just sort of like a, you know, they're just smaller women. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was definitely kind of the point where they were like, we need a bunch of skinny ladies because these people are supposed to be starving, <laughs> but not too starving. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want, info, we, don't want we want TV starving, but not infomercial starving. We want, uh, primetime starving. Yeah. We want starvation in America, I suppose, not starvation yeah. somewhere else. I, I think, I think Kira, my, my take on Kira Maru, uh, the mother is that she is, she is, both doing this for the family and the thing that she likes. And I think you could see her tears as being, uh, when she's talking to her husband, as guilt for liking what she's done here, even if it's for the best thing. And I think that there's for people, she would, I believe, have only known the occupation her whole life because the occupation has been going on for 40 years, I think, at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. She's been raised in this situation where this is the only thing she knows. And to get out of it is this... You could actually say this is a twist, even more twisted thing the Cardassians do, which is to give some of them an out. The Cardassians aren't thinking about it this way, but to give some Bajorans an out where they then feel guilty about being rewarded in a way that mm. the rest of the Bajorans aren't being rewarded. And I think it's just really brutal. I, I think it's just such yeah. a good idea of what they've done here, where I believe that Kira Maru is happy to be well-fed. She can get by with Dukat. If she was not married and didn't have a family, this would probably be best case scenario for her. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm. The family is the the linchpin thing that really kills everything. And just Kira's reaction about sort of hating her mother at the end for what she did, even though the only reason Kira's standing in that office still alive is arguably because of her mother. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's the <clears throat> that's where you run the stuff that she takes in through her history and uh, that's how it gets warped. And that's what you come out with. And I'm not saying that her, her, her uh, feelings are necessarily wrong. You know, they're, they're what they are. Um, But it's definitely, she's definitely running this new information through her history with the Cardassians and her hatred of the Cardassians, uh, which might be clouding her to the things that her, that, could be perceived as positives that her mother did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think, and I think because it, it's, it's definitely um, emphasized by the fact that Kira still had to live under the thumb of the Cardassians. Yeah. She did. She didn't so get a clean she, break. Yeah. Yeah. So she is thinking about everyone that she suffered with, um, who I'm sure she would give up. Her, the, her comfortable life, what, however much comfort she had after what her mother did, um, 
in order to help save somebody else. You know yeah, what I, mean? I mean, her her background as a freedom fighter was she was willing to give her life to save everyone else, which is why right, she doesn't right. respect what her mother does because her mother takes the opposite track, which is to not not give up. Her mother gives up. Her, her mother does not, in Kira's eyes, her mother gives up and doesn't continue the fight the way that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I well, just, I, I mean, I think you could also look at it as though she does give up her life to save her family. She does. I, I'm, I'm talking only it's, from Kira's perspective, though, as a freedom okay, fighter. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, I mean, she. you could argue she does give up her life to save her family, but not necessarily in a completely bad way, like mm-hmm. a completely negative way for her. Like there, there's, there's only, she's, she's never leaving now. Like there's, she's, she's going to die as a Cardassian concubine. Right. And we know that. But, uh, right. Yeah. There's, there's she no seems hope. fine with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, I guess it's all just the outlook of life based on the two lives that they grew up. Kira, uh, Maru yeah. never knew anything better and saw this as some kind of strange thing that she could get out of, even if the intense guilt of leaving her family and her horrible acting father, uh, husband behind. And Kira mm-hmm. only knows the fight, has been raised, uh, just only know to fight and never back down. And that's been the reason that she's been propelled to where she is and everything like that. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a strange episode that you know you're kind of in trouble when you when it opens and Cisco's line is basically like, "Let me get this straight. You're going to go yeah. back in time to see if your mother <laughs> was fucking gold you got." And you're like, "Oh mm-hmm, dear, this mm-hmm. is going to be this is going to be a rough episode." But it turns out to be I I think it's a, one of the best DS9 episodes we've seen so far. Yeah, I that if you can just roll your eyes and say, "Okay, about the time travel mechanic, um I, I, this episode is definitely, I think, one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. We'll come back. We will read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts for wrongs darker than death or night. During the occupation, if I ever had any doubt about what their fate should be, I would think of my mother. How she gave her life for Bajor. She was a hero. They were traitors. It was that simple. Or so I thought. She did what she had to do to save her family, to save you. It doesn't make it right. Maybe not, but it was her decision to make. All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you support the show there, you get to give a couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff. We do extra podcasts, there's extra videos, there's extra nonsense up there. And also, if you're a Captain Tier supporter, you get a shout out. So special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog. Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. And now, Clay, we're going to go to patron thoughts, because patrons get to leave their thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them on the podcast. I'm going to warn you, Clay, I read these before uh, we started. We got some opinions. <laughs> no, it's all good. Okay. Point Extra G says, Wrongs darker than death or night. You remember that time Ducat started talking crap about Kira's mama and she got so pissed she went back in time to see if it was true? I do remember that. Get that it? What's that? That's it. That's, that's the, it? Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> he's, just, he's just mentioning. Captain Quark says, wrongs darker than death or night. The showrunners were bold to tackle a dark concept like comfort women. The strength of the episode is seeing Kira's mother seduced by Dukat and the luxuries he can provide her. 
It's also interesting to see that Ducat truly does love her, albeit in a patronizing way. That being said, although the episode demonstrates why Ducat had such an affinity for Kira, it feels like a misstep to introduce this backstory so late in the series. On a final note, how irresponsible is Cisco to allow her to use the Orb of Time on a personal quest? Well, he is the emissary, I guess, as uh, she begs the emissary there. Yeah, does he just, like, go in and, like, check out the time orb or something? Yeah, or? I, th- I think he's just, like, uh, he's call- he's like a big shot calling a uh, fancy restaurant for a reservation. I, I was shocked at how easy it was to do this. Yes. Like, it was, it, she's just like, I need you to help me. And he's like, okay, we'll, I'll see what I can do. And then she's just, oh, there's, oh here's your time orb and, uh, like, 10 minutes and we'll just pull you out. I mean, the problem is that it should just be a vision, right? Like, they sh- they should have written into the script that you are not actually time-traveling here. Like, the Orb of Time gives you insight into what happened in the past or something like yeah. that. And I was surprised that they that she had so much latter, uh, lati- latitude, is latitude. that the word I'm looking yep. for? Yeah, in, 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 in the past. Um, that, yeah. That she had, it, like, a free I, will I, to do what she wanted to do, you're saying? Yeah, like to the point where she could set a bomb in Ducat's room. Yep. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm in in the same camp as you, where it's like, I don't think this was true tra- time travel as much as it was kind of just profit shenanigans. Yes, that's that's the way I'm going to think about it. Zam Luther Wessel says, "Wrongs darker than death or night." I really like little Kira's. I will remember this face as her mother is dragged off. It reminds me of the little Rorsha and the Silk Spectre's faces in the opening credits of the Watchmen movie. Also, from the mom's perspective, this is a lot like one of those Old Testament Israelite women in foreign king stories, with Nerys being the figure sent by the prophets to save her from danger. Sure. Samuel S. says, Wrongs darker than death or night? The plot of this episode bothers me. A lot. One, why does Cisco just give Kira a personal day to go time traveling? Does he not know or care about the temporal prime directive? Two, Kira promises to not interfere with the timeline, and then ten minutes later is plotting Goldicott's death. Three, she decides her mother deserves to die because Kira doesn't approve of her choices that she has essentially been forced to make, and that's not okay. Four, why does Ducat never recognize Kira after the incident? She doesn't look that different, and I would think that Ducat would remember the face of the person who saved his life. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. The episode is a pile of crap. One out of five. Whoa. Seriously? <laughs> one out of five. <laughs> is that like a sarcastic one out of five? No, I think, I think he means it. Cardinal Doomsday. Wrongs Holy darker crap. than death or night. Time travel logic worthy of discovery. It's bad enough that Ducat has always wanted to fuck Kira, but to discover that Kira's mother was his willing comfort woman is a step too far. The episode should have been bombed one out of five. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> are there two episodes called Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night that are very similar in plot that, I, uh, that I've listen, been missing? Listen, I understand adherence to rules i guess you could call them as far as like mechanics of time travel if you can't get past the time travel and appreciate this like if you can't get past the time travel and uh why doesn't ducat recognize kira 25 30 years later uh or any of those other incidental things that don't actually matter to the story and you can't appreciate this story then i don't know what to tell you i don't know what you're looking for out of this show yeah it's it's interesting i'm 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 surprised. Uh, it's only two people so far, and everyone's obviously free to have their opinion. I'm just really surprised by the response. Like, I, I'd almost, it, it's that thing we always talk about where there's like, there's an episode, if an episode is not good enough for me, I can understand harping on the temporal mechanic problems in it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, 
if you have this time travel story that doesn't make sense why they're time traveling and at the end of it you're like well why did that even happen in the first place that kind of fits hand in hand for me but i feel like if your story does things it's irrelevant what the problems of the time travel are yeah yeah i mean you know it's it's completely the the time travel mechanics like i said the the changing the time travel isn't the point of the story right you know like, it doesn't back solve to the, the problem either so th- yeah. there's no so it's, it's not a deus ex machina either where you're s- fixing the solution via time travel there is no fix to the story yeah back to the future the time the time travel is what the story is about you know that's it's a it's the 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 gimmick that gets everything moving and is the mechanic of the story is the time travel and making sure the time travel works twice yep um I would argue. Listen, if you have a if you have a problem with the time travel of this episode, I'm going to say right now you have to have a problem with the time travel of City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, I, I yes, I, I think you because they are almost identical. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess you'd have to decide where your line is drawn with time travel because I can't think of a really ever clean example of time travel where you're not always going to have a weird issue around it. Uh, Will Yates says, wrongs darker than death or night. I'll forgo the in-universe BS about time travel and focus on the episode. Nana Visitor looks great with long hair. How old is Dukat? I feel this episode meanders in hopes of a big ending, but the ending is a retread of what we already know. Wars are rarely black and white affairs. I love the scene with Kira pleading with the emissary and not Cisco. Her face in that moment showed both hope and humility. I also wonder if this was the assassination attempt to cut spoke of in Waltz. I'm still surprised that the latest visions from the prophets include several weeks off screen. I find myself asking, what changed? Next. I feel like a lot changed. In, uh, in, uh, over the course of the weeks you're talking about? Oh, I, I thought he meant what changed as far as like at the end of the episode. Oh, no, I think he's talk- just talking about the several weeks. Uh, but where Time is passing in the, the prophets' vision, uh, but Kira, we're not seeing it as Kira's existing in this universe. Um, yeah, I mean, time travel, she could have just been gone for 35 seconds. Yep, there we go. Let me see here. Matt Ross says, wrongs darker than death or night. So if Kira let an unknown message go to voicemail like the rest of us would do, she'd have less strife. Kira isn't even really yelling at Bashir and O'Brien to make the command center stop. She's XO. Get to work, people. Maybe they're all very lazy in the Federation. As for time travel nonsense, so you mean that you could actually go back in time with that orb at will? That would have solved so much, right? Uh, that could have solved so much, right? Whatever, I guess. But I don't think about the paradox. Although I understand the attempt to show the reason for some people to cooperate with the occupiers of the plight of comfort women, I just think this is only a half-hearted attempt to do so. So, if this had been Star Trek Discovery... This would have um, been the greatest episode of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> no. So, uh, I, I feel like you can you can... Having a problem with the time orb stuff is is on the same level, at least on the surface, as having a problem with the time crystal stuff that they do in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Except that the difference is the time crystal is the gimmick that the, the hollow gimmick that they're using in order to solve the problem. Yeah, it's the which, solution. It's the, the yeah, the, which the is why it's is stupid. Terrible. Yep, right. Which is why it's stupid and it comes out of nowhere and it it, it doesn't make any sense. That's not what this is. The time orb, yeah, it's silly. Okay, sure, yeah, they exist. Why don't they use them all the time? Sure, fine. But that's not the point of the story. You know, it's 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 about more than we have a time orb. What could we do with it? It's not it's not I need to get back in time and kill Ducat before he makes it has sex with my mother. That's not what the story's about. Right. 
it's, I've got this it's, photograph where she keeps fading out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it's it's uh, it's a completely different thing, and it's just a mechanic, and it's you know, clear clearly there's some rules to it that prevent it from being used all the time. Uh, it's, it's kind of a bit, it, I, I will grant you that it is kind of weird for them to just be able to just do this for something seemingly this insignificant. Yeah. Or um, just the, again, the maybe, ability to do it seems odd, but I, I guess it's supposed to be yeah. Cisco being the emissary is what allows this and the Bajorans don't allow this to happen all the time or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could argue that like, why, why does she get to use it for something so silly as just going back to see what her mom did on her day off? But uh, maybe nobody asks. Maybe yeah. you, maybe you can. Maybe you can check it out for an hour and go back and you know see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. You know, shake hands with John Adams and just come back. I, I I can imagine a version of the the first draft of the script where you have a scene where Kira Cisco go to talk to Kai Wen and they're like, and she's like no one can use the orb and he's like I'm the emissary goddamn it I'll do what I please and she says okay like but when you when you get into the story like this, you realize that that scene is irrelevant to what's going right. on. Like yeah. he, that's not what it's about. You just have to say he's the emissary and she's using the, the time crystal and everyone will be okay with it. Yeah. Andrew Cherlog says, Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night, an episode well paired with Kira's earlier struggle about collaborating with the Dominion. It is finally revealed that Kira's mother and Dukat had a relationship, something Kira never knew and that her father had lied about. The episode reminds us about the difficulties of being in a terrible situation and how people will do almost anything to survive, even cozying up to a brutal dictator. Kira's ending realization that her mother was a collaborator also changes her own thoughts as to how people could resort to such actions. Powerful episode that further builds the tension between her and Dukat and gives us a glimpse into the world of pre-DS9. I wouldn't say necessarily that her father knows what's going on. Uh, well, he knows that she's a lie. He lied about her dying to the kids. Right. But, uh, well, I guess, I guess he does know that she was taken as a concubine. Yeah. So yeah I guess, I guess he does know. I, I think he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, or if not, he can infer where she is and what's yeah, going on. Yeah. Uh, Neil Brennan says, wrongs darker than death or night. I watched this at 4 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. I stayed awake for the whole thing. Make of that what you will. I rewatched the pilot recently, and Visitor is so improved, it's remarkable. Are her and Alemo the best main character slash supporting character double act in DS9? I thought she was great, yeah. that Especially in that last scene, I thought she was really good. Yeah. Um, and the scene, I, I also I also really like the scene where, uh, the, with the message from the dad, when uh, after she sets the bomb, and then she sees the message, and her mom starts crying, and she's just like, <sighs> okay, get out of the room. Ducat, get out of the fucking room. There's a bomb in here. Everybody move. Like she's 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 not she's just so pissed off that she has to save yes, her. Yes. <laughs> and I think Neil uh, stayed awake because he liked it. That's what I'm gonna make of that. Uh Jay Ayers says, Wrongs Darker than Death or Night. Solid episode. I always enjoy Cardassian episodes and Ducat and Kira going against each other. I love how Kira bitch slaps the chief and Bashir and then puts Odo on leash about reporting to her after her call with Ducat. It's like when someone says they're fine, but they spit and shout it. Ducat's ability to annoy Kira so much she's willing to go back in time and then literally blow up the past and completely change the future just because Ducat banged her mum four out of five. But she didn't change the future. I'll disagree with you there, but I will agree that's a a strong episode. Uh, That's it, actually. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. And the, I don't know, I might have... That's kind of why I wanted to lead off the episode with the time travel discussion there, Clay. I'm I'm honestly mm. surprised by uh, people who outright don't like the episode. Um, maybe I like 
I just think it's so strong. I, I really have a hard yeah. time. Like, yeah. but, you know, if you're, if you're going to give something like one little ship a three and then you, you say that this is worse, I just, I, I really have a hard time, um, coming around to that point of view. I think, I think it's just a really strong episode that works for me on pretty much every level. Yeah. Like, would it be better if, she, if the episode just opened with her getting that call from Ducat and then she just like goes, oh, and falls over and passes out and then wakes up <laughs> like a, like a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. She, she just wakes up in the past. Right. Yeah. Everyone's well dressed and she's, she's dreaming. Yeah. I don't know. But thank you anyway. Uh, thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. It's much appreciated. Uh, we're not. <laughs> We're we're responding to the uh, the just the the one out of fives is just very strange. I to am me. after I said that I do realize that's exactly what happens in that other episode where I was demanding an explanation where he does just kind of go oh and he wakes up in fifties New York. Well, yeah, well he has he has a medical condition <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I think that's the um yeah I guess that's an interesting way to kind of wrap it up. Like my my thing about the the far beyond the stars is that I I liked the no techie explanation as to what's going on there mm-hmm. um here they kind of include it. it is it is an interesting just a means to an end and i i guess the point is that it doesn't matter either way to me like both right, of the episodes right. are strong enough outside of the mechanics of how you get there whether or not it's cisco just having a stroke and then waking up in 50s new york or uh there's a time orb that lets you go back in time like it, it doesn't yeah. matter to me it's the the end result and the the things you learn about kira and her mother and ducats and all that stuff is what really matters I still prefer the explanation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh even if it's not a particularly good one, um I I like that it's there because I feel like I I still land on the side of if you're not going to do that, at least if you're not going to at least try to do that, then you're then it's just a fantasy show. It's not it's not a sci-fi story. Sure. You, and you you're, just, you're you're talking know. about star in terms of Star Trek. You're yes. not saying every yeah. show needs to do this, but Star Trek. No, no, to- no. I'm just talking in terms of Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, as much as I think you needed one in the last one, I, I do think you needed one in this one as well. It, is it kind of clunky? Sure. Does it not make a lot of sense? Sure. But I think it's, I think it, it at least explains the, the catalyst for the story instead of her just appearing in the past. Right. Which I think given, Given that it's Star Trek, given that for the most part they are trying to do, you know, capital S, capital F sci-fi stories, that I think that's something you do need. On our scale of one to five, what are you going to give this one? Um, I, I want to give it a five. I I feel like I need to dock it a point because the time orb thing is so silly, mm-hmm. but I think. <laughs> I think the scene where she pleads with Cisco to do it is really strong. And I think that the mechanic is so negligible that uh, I'm going to give it a five just to get other people to watch it and, and appreciate it. Yeah. Because I feel like if I took points away, it'd be like, ah, it's it, only a three. Or right. Whatever, it falls whatever. into the, really the muddle of but fours. It, yeah. 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 But if it's a five and you haven't seen it and you turn it on, you're like, time orb. They give us a five. <laughs> And then you keep watching to find out why I gave it a five. Maybe you'll be a little bit more receptive to it than if you know otherwise. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good thinking there. It actually the uh, the spreadsheets do exist as people who want to look and just see what we think about episodes. And it's my way to I actually go back and I look at like what I thought the best episodes were. If I'm thinking about like just trying to come up with a, a list or something like that, 
And um, I think this one definitely deserves a five. I I consider the time travel irrelevant in this mm, largely. Yeah. Like I don't I don't care at all whatsoever. Uh, didn't really have a problem with it until I started reading reviews after I'd watched the episode that people were concerned about it. Um, it's it's crazy to me the stuff that people zero in on a lot of the times. You yeah, know? like yeah. zeroing in on again to use Discovery as an example. We're we're hypercritical of of the mechanics of Discovery, but it's because the mechan the way that they use these mechanics are in the place of actual story. You know, it's it's. Everything is techno babble to discovery. Yeah, and it's clunky and it doesn't work and it feels like it's cheating. That's not the same thing as what they're doing here. Um, the mechanics of the story are completely irrelevant. Like if you if you changed if you changed the mechanic of this story to um Kira gets a phone call from Ducat, uh and right at, right after that happens, uh, uh Deep Space Nine accidentally gets slingshotted around a sun backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and that sends them sends specifically only Kira back in time thirty five years or whatever because uh, she was holding a phone and the uh, electri- electricity sh- uh, what's the word I'm looking for Shorted. the electricity surged as they were shot around the sun and there was a solar flare and all of a sudden she ends up in the past that doesn't change a fucking thing yeah it doesn't change anything about the rest of this story so if the mechanic is the problem then. Jump forward 35 seconds where they do the thing where she holds the orb and she goes back in time and watch the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a, just think about it. If changing, if changing that did anything else to the rest of the episode, it's actually impactful. But if, it, if yeah. changing that has no impact on the rest of your story, it's something that can be freely ignored and should be. Yeah, because she's not, she's not worried about how she's going to get back yep. or anything. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. It's just, she's just going to, you know, I, the, the prophets, I guess, pick a, arbitrary point yes. in the story where they're just to pull her back to the future <laughs> they say is this resolved but, yet yes good time to cut yeah, yeah 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 but if you want uh watch watch the first uh five minutes of this and then just watch the the 35 seconds of city on the edge of forever where they're like pick any point in the timeline by accident <laughs> to jump into and we will make the decision about where you go and then jump back to deep space nine and you'll feel great about it yep well, I think that's it. We're both giving it fives. Goes on my list of reasons why I don't think that episode is that good. <laughs> I think this is a fantastic episode of DS9. I think it's really wonderful. Uh, one of those surprise fives for me, I think. It's not an episode that really, uh, when I'm looking at the list, I'm like, oh, yeah, those are obviously great. Uh, but it's nice to rewatch things like this and be surprised by it and and uh, be learn that something's a five as opposed to go in and try to justify why something that you believe is a five is, yes, uh, still a five. So, me and Clay are both going to give it a five. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's much appreciated. Even if we disagree, we appreciate you guys for supporting the show and leaving your uh, your comments. It's obviously brave because you have no response to our critic uh, criticisms of you. So um, thank you very much for leaving your thoughts. Everyone's free to like what they like and all that stuff. But I, I just strongly disagree with you in the best way possible. Um, that's it. Social media, all that stuff down below. You can go to the website, thepenskepodcast.com. I've been fixing that up so there's all the links and everything there if you want a one-stop shop for everything uh contact us on discord email it's all down below all that stuff check us out on youtube as well and i think that's it i feel like i always say one other thing but i guess not well if you're on the internet and you're willing to recommend the show it's much appreciated if you're on reddit or something if you mention the show when people say where's the star trek podcast and what can i listen to and all that stuff thank you very much guys clay do you have anything you want to say your kickstarter still is going strong 
It is. Yeah, we just passed uh, 17,000 of, of a goal of 12,000, which was amazing. Again, thank you to everyone who uh, who came out and, and uh, donated. Uh, we st- we're still going, though, until the first week of September, and I'm going to continue to add new things, new rewards, just to, you know, <clears throat> squeeze as many many pennies out of all you people as I possibly can. That's right. You got us upside um, down, pennies falling out of our pockets. Yeah. I just put up uh, one of the original art pieces uh, from the pinups in the book is up there, and I am also going to, in the coming weeks, maybe next week, I haven't decided yet, what, I'm going to add in... Uh, a reward tier to have a guest spot on Bat-Ass, if that's something that any of you would be interested in, uh, talking about Batman with uh, me and Sean. There you go. So keep that in mind, and uh, if you want to check it out, head over to Bloody Hell, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for supporting the Kickstarter. Thank you for supporting the show, and thank you for listening. And I think we are back with what is the next episode? It is, did I click the link? I didn't. Inquisition. That makes sense. Inquisition is the next episode. So I wasn't I wasn't expecting that to be the title. No. <laughs> Never mind. The game is a big surprise. We are back with Dr. Bashir and an Inquisition. So guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Go check out uh Wrongs Darker Than Death or Nights. And uh, I think that's it. Guys, we'll see you later. 